Over the next few weeks, we will be interviewing the authors from the collaborative book, The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection, which is set to release in February of 2024. These authors have each experienced their own unique grief journey and will be sharing their personal stories with us. We will also explore the specific tools they used to cope with their grief and how these tools can benefit others who may be going through similar experiences. Grief is a complex and challenging process, and each person's experience is different. By sharing our stories and tools, we hope to provide support, guidance, and comfort to those navigating their grief journey. Each author has experienced different types of loss and comes from a variety of backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences. As a result, they offer valuable insights and perspectives. We are honored to have them join us on this podcast series and to share their stories and tools with you, our Path 11 podcast listeners. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. I am so glad that you are listening today. I have another great show for you, and I'm going to introduce you to another person who is co-authoring the book that I am also a part of, The Grief Experience, and her name is Karen White. She works with individuals, adolescents, couples, and families, and is passionate about helping people grow into their potential and live full lives. She's committed to providing a safe, non-judgmental space where clients can be heard and supported as they work through their issues and journey towards healing, hope, and restoration. Karen specializes in women's issues, grief and loss, and working with partners and family members of addicts. She worked for eight years as a military family life counselor and continues to work with service members and their families too. She's been a licensed professional counselor in Mississippi, since 2004 and a nationally certified counselor since 2001. So Karen, welcome to the Path Loving Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I, I always love just meeting new people, especially people who are in the field of mental health, because that's initially where I first got started and was a large portion of my career before I started to, you know, transition and move over into more holistic wellness and coaching for people. So I always like to hear, how did you know from, you know, what age that you wanted to help people and be a counselor? For me, it was like very young. Like I was kind of that person of my friend group where people would always come to me. They would talk to me about their problems. They would come to me for advice. I love giving advice. And I knew I wanted to either do that or be a teacher of, you know, some sort. So um, I'm just always curious to know, like, did you know when you were younger too, or did it come later in life? No, I have a very similar story, actually. I was I was kind of the person in my friend group, probably starting in junior high and into high school that my friends would come to, was to talk about, you know, whatever they had going on. And I kind of fought it when I got to college. I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher for a little while and tried out a couple of different things, but I always gravitated back towards 
psychology. And, and also the beginning of my senior year in high school, my family went through a kind of a tragic experience and we did some family counseling. That was my first real experience with counseling outside of, you know, talking with school counselors and things like that. And that, I think that kind of started the real, you know, as I got into college and really thinking about what I wanted to do career-wise, I reflected back on that experience when I was in high school and, and that kind of, I guess, left a big impact on me. Sure. Yeah. A lot of times that's what will happen, right? It's like you have yeah. that experience. And, and I felt like I wanted to help other people. I've always been a helper too. I think that's just part of my nature, but but I, I realized or thought that hopefully I could have the same kind of influence or impact on other people too. So. Sure. Yeah. I remember it was actually a really tumultuous, uh, tumultuous time in my life was about sixth grade. My I share this story because I know that you work with addicts and my mom was really struggling with alcoholism. So my aunt and uncle decided to have an intervention. They took custody of me. They brought me you know, to their house to live with them and basically said to my mom, like, you gotta, you have to get your act together. You have to go into rehab. We will take care of her, but you really need to take this full year, you know, and they had to arrange visitation so she could basically, you know, try to stay on track, you know, with, with her recovery. And they put me in therapy right away. And I had a therapist, I think when I was younger too, I remember being taken out, you know, in second grade from like a therapist doing bibliotherapy, you know, for me on alcoholism, like the worm in the bottle. I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So, but yeah, I had a therapist, Lori. And I remember I, my first session, I refused to talk to her. You know, I was like, I don't want to be here. I'm not going to talk. And I think it was like three sessions and I refused to talk each three. And then by the fourth, she kind of got me coloring and then it was a really positive experience. And I think that also impacted me too, like you, you know, having gone through it personally and understanding it and like, wow, this actually really helps. I would like to do this, you know, and help people. Yeah. yeah. So it also looks like that you have chosen um, some of the tougher things to work with. So, you know, working with people with addiction, working in the grief and loss field, and also working with military. So that's that's a heavy dose of, you know, a variety of different, you know, populations that really go through a lot of tumultuous times themselves. So what what drew you to working with all those populations? You know, I think some personal experience for sure. You know, I think that when you've been through something, at least in my experience, when I've been through something, it's not easier to to help people, but I think you relate maybe on a different level once you've gone through something personally. And the military work that I did and, and continue to to do a little bit, that is just something that kind of came up. I tell people and just fell in my lap one day and I loved it. I, I kind of tried it on an experimental basis. It was a very short term assignment back then. And I, I came home and I'll never forget a colleague of mine at the time looked at me and said, whatever you've been doing, you need to keep doing it. <laughs> Just noticed a difference in me. And so I was a military family life counselor for eight, almost nine years and just really loved working with that population. They do, you know, have the same issues that we all have. Um, but the military life just kind of adds an extra layer of, of stress and, and difficulties and issues. 
that civilians just don't even, we don't think about. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, I'm glad that you're doing that work. And for any of our listeners that are out in Mississippi, I'm giving you another resource here. Okay. So that that's wonderful. And, you know, I think it is important to talk about our life experiences because a lot of people who listen this, to this podcast, I think, are on their spiritual journey, their spiritual quest, their they're seekers, they're trying to learn more about themselves, they're trying to figure out how to heal. And, you know, I think when we go through really tough times and we can apply that somehow to help others, that's a part of the spiritual path as well. You know, it's like shifting from that victim mode to how can I be of service with my with my experience? So I think that that's, that's wonderful that you're taking a lot of your life experiences and turning it into service and being able to relate people on that, that personal level. That's great. So the other thing that I think is really fun and exciting is people who have never written a book before and maybe a book just comes and falls in your lap. Like, it sounds like this is what's happened to us a little bit, you know, and, and I like this aspect of interviewing people and being a part of this project, too, because I kind of feel like I've met so many people that say, but someday I'm going to write a book. I'd love to write a book. And many times people don't know where to start. And I interview a lot of authors on this podcast. And I think it's great to give people some hope that if they have a chapter in them and they want to do a group collaborative book like we're doing, or they want to learn how to do this process that we might be inspiring some people to just say, just go ahead and do it, you know, tell your story. So how did you come into this project with the grief experience? Same. I am in a Facebook group for therapists and I saw Kelly advertised that she was kind of putting this together. And like you, I've said for, I don't know how long now, I'd like to write and I just have never really sat down to do that. And and I thought about it for a little while. And the topic is a bit scary, you know, writing about grief and loss and, and how, you know, you've dealt with it personally as well as a helper. And but I kind of thought about it for a little while and I was like, you know, this maybe this is it. Maybe this is the opportunity that will actually get me to put pen to paper, so to speak, and and get that that first writing project out there. So I'm I'm excited, nervous, but excited all at the same time to to do this. Yeah, and I you know I also think too about the synchronicity of this, right? Because I love talking about synchronicities on this podcast, and you know just that interconnectedness of how we're all interconnected and the synchronicities of who comes into our life and these opportunities that that come in. And I know that, you know, we were talking offline before we hit the record button that you had actually gone through more recently some really tremendous loss in your life. And, you know, and then here is like this opportunity for you to use the book probably even for your own healing. And was wondering if you can share with my audience too the how grief and loss has, you know, touched your life and impacted you more recently in the past year or so, a couple of years. Yeah, sure. So last January, my dad passed away. He had gotten sick. It was a very kind of surprising, kind of out of the blue situation. He got sick in November of 2021. And it turned into a staph infection and was it, he was in the hospital about three months, wound up having to have a spinal surgery that was successful. But then a couple of weeks after that, the infection came back and he passed away at the end of January 22. 
And that was, that was rough. You know, my parents were married right at 50 years and we were all, you know, we're all very close. And so that was, that was really hard. And then a month or so after that, my mom's dad, who I'm very close to, you know, he was nearing the end in March. They called hospice to, you know, be with him. He was living with Michael and he passed away in April. So just a few months after my dad did. And so it was very, you know, when you talk about grief, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to put into words, um, kind of surreal experience and having those two so close together. I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, just really rocked my world. You know, it's, I took a little bit of time off work after my dad died, really just a full week. And then, you know, we kind of got through his funeral and everything. And we went on a trip as a family. Like I said, my parents' 50th wedding anniversary was in March, right after my dad passed away. And my sister and brother and I were going to surprise them and take, they went to Gatlinburg on their honeymoon and we were, that was our plan. And then dad got sick and we realized, you know, this may not happen. So we talked to mom and and she really, she was like, no, I still want to go, you know? So uh, we went and, you know, we're all in the middle of grief and we're all dealing with it differently. And, you know, there's, there's short fuses on some days and then other days we're all getting along very well. And it wound up being a great trip. We found that the hotel where they stayed had had actually burned in a fire a few years ago, but, but the sun was still there. So we, you know, got a picture of mom, got a picture of the, the rest of the family with her in front of the sign. And I, I think that was a, you know, we're in the mountains. It was beautiful. It was kind of a healing trip in a lot of ways for all of us. We came home and had a, a little dinner with her and some of their closest friends that they've known for years. And so it kind of, she had some family time and some time with her, her close friends. And we were all talking about that and her. And that's a, that's when we came home on, when we were on our way home from Gatlinburg, we got the call about my grandfather leaving mm. hospice care. So wow. we kind of went from one, it, it was a roller coaster is really the only way I know how to describe even my dad's illness. We would get really good news and he was going to be discharged from the hospital. He was doing great. And then like the day they were going to discharge him and happened it, the whole thing. So just emotionally last year was up, down, up, down. I, I cried myself to sleep. I think from the night before my dad passed away until a few weeks after my grandfather's funeral. You know, as a, as a helping professional, you have to show up at work and, and be okay. (laughs) And so I I think that was my way of getting at night by myself in my bed, you know, and that, that one of the ways that I was able to, to get depression down and assess it. And it was, it was very interesting at my dad's funeral, I mean, I cried. At my grandfather's funeral, I, I wept the entire, it was, you know, I don't know if that was kind of 
what my body needed to do that day. I spoke at both of their funerals and I made it through that part. Okay. But I just remember my sister and I were actually talking after Papa's funeral that it was just like this release. So, yeah. And then, then a couple months later in June, my brother and his fiance got married. So we were, you know, it was just. And celebrating. And some more, some more ups and downs for sure. And it was just, it was a really different year. Christmas, my dad's birthday was, is on Christmas day. And so Christmas, this past Christmas was our first one without him. It was also his birthday, his first birthday. So that was an interesting time for us. We, we, there was a lot of back and forth about what we want to do to celebrate to honor his birthday and his memory on those big occasions. So. Yeah, all of those year mile, like those first year milestones, you know, it's it's weird. It's like sometimes there can be like a little bit of a fog and what do we do? Do we do anything? Do we not do something? And then sometimes even like the second and third year could hit even harder, you know, because I just, I experienced just this grief fog for like the first about like two years, you know, it was like, yeah. oh, oh my God, it's, it's been a year already. It's been two years already, you know? And like you say, I mean, your story is a great example of the ups and downs of the emotions and, you know, just kind of the extremes of, you know, complete sorrow, grief, and then, okay, now, well, let's celebrate and let's take a picture of mom, you know, and and then having a wedding, you know, but then that also brings up the fact that dad's not there. So it's kind of like this, you know, dance between the two. And and I think it is really tough when you're also in the helping profession, not that it's tougher, you know, there's any, you know, yeah. any any profession is tougher. But I think what we're where it's really tough for us in the West is like a week is just not enough time. You know, you're like, I took some time off. Well, I took a week. You know, it's like, oh my God, that's like not even enough, you know, and, but to show up and to hold space, you know, it's, that's where you kind of are finding more of that, you know, resilience or, you know, trying to compartmentalize sometimes the grief in order to be able to show up and serve others, you know, um, Yeah. So what are some of the tools that you're going to be sharing in the book that kind of helped you and tools that you feel are kind of, you know, effective and could help somebody else? Yeah, I think some of the things that have helped me, one was actually letting myself be emotional. I think that's one thing that I have, even as a therapist, you know, I'm I'm still, as I've going through this process, still learning about how people grieve differently. And I think one of the things too is, you know, letting letting yourself get those emotions however you need to, however you can. It's different for everybody. And then I think there's an acceptance piece too. One of the things that I struggled with at first when my dad passed away there were there were certainly people that came and supported and were there checking on me all different people colleagues friends some that i've you know known my whole life and some that were newer but then there were also i i was like you know that person hasn't called or what i can't believe they're not reaching you know and then i was like wait a minute here and 
you know, this is not their experience. This is my experience. And maybe they haven't lost a parent to death at this point in their life. No. And I I really did kind of have to step back and say, what do I need? Do I need to call that person and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm struggling and, you know, or just not even say I'm struggling, call them up and say, how are you? You know, because there is that piece you mentioned this earlier, like not, and I don't necessarily think I was looking at myself as a victim, but I was that, that fog that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So real. Um, <laughs> and I think fog is a great way to w- word to explain, that. but, but not getting stuck there and, and reaching to other people, really taking care of myself and saying no to even to, you know, hanging out with friends. If I didn't feel like hanging or just needed to be by myself or needed to be with family or, you know, whoever. So just really learning to listen to yourself and, and your, your mood and your needs and your wants when you're struggling or going through something like that. It's really important. Yeah, I agree. And remembering to like check in with yourself, like, how am I doing? <laughs> remembering to ask yourself that, you know, cause you could just be kind of walking around reacting and like, wait a second, hold on, what's going on, you know, and doing kind of that internal check. Um, so I'm also this year, we're making a documentary on after death communication. So I'm always curious when people have experienced the loss of someone, because one of the things that I investigate all the time is, is there life after death or where do we go? Where's our soul going? And I'm always curious to see and like to ask people, have you had any communication with your father or grandfather in spirits, do you know that they tried to make contact with you or communicated with you? And do you have any stories of after death communication that you might like to share? That's very interesting. Maybe not so much in the way you're talking about. I, one of the things I did, my grandfather's birthday is in September. And the September after he died, I went to the cemetery. Well, I bought him a birthday card and I wrote in the birthday card like I would if he was still here. And I took the card out to the cemetery and I read it out loud. I kind of sat on the ground and and read the card and the tears just came. You know, I couldn't couldn't help it, didn't try to stop them at that point. And I just sat there and had a conversation with him where I talked out loud, just like I was sitting across from him at his house, or he and I used to go get pancakes together sometimes at this restaurant in town. You know, he wasn't talking back. I don't, I won't say that I like heard his voice or anything like that, but, but I knew what he would say if he was (laughs) there, if that makes sense. And it it really felt like we were talking and I was, I was comforted by that. And, and same, you know, I I think I mentioned earlier that I put myself to sleep for months after my dad died, but I would have conversations with him. I would talk out loud at night and, you know, I've read, I've read stuff that says, don't do that. You know, don't, don't talk to the person. Um, 
talk to God or talk to, you know, whoever instead. But for me, I, I think that was very, like, I needed to, to say, dad, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever. And I don't know what it was about that for me, but it, it was very comforting and very healing. I, I would say therapeutic to have those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the idea of writing a card, bringing it and reading it out loud. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, some other after death communication, you know, signs or, or things that, you know, I've been learning as I'm doing this research could be that, you know, our loved ones can try to communicate with us through songs, maybe songs coming on the radio or maybe seeing, you know, certain number patterns that would represent, say, the birth date of people or I don't know, maybe there could be something like a synchronicity with pancakes with your grandfather, you know, feathers are a big thing, certain birds or identifying certain objects with your loved one that they will sometimes try to make that a little more pronounced and, you know, communicate with you too. And yeah, I know that there's like different theories out there. Like a lot of the people that I have interviewed who do more mediumship and that's what they do for a living. They try to make that contact. They say they're ready to talk and yes, you can talk to them. And then I've heard other people say, don't disturb the dead, let them rest, you know? (laughs) Um, So, but, you know, I think in doing this research and making this documentary, I, I feel pretty confident that our loved ones are always with us and always trying to communicate with us. And when you talked about feeling comforted and kind of feeling your grandfather's presence and like he was there, that is also a form of after-death communication. It's like there's just this knowing and just like this presence where you just feel, you know, like there's sometimes maybe some days where you just wake up and it's like they're just on your mind immediately and everywhere you go, you just kind of feel that they're with you, you know, there. So so that's great. Well, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, that beautiful story. And I know that I think that this book is going to be a great resource and tool for so many people. And I also also think it's wonderful that there are so many people in the field of mental health who are a part of this book, because sometimes as therapists, you know, in our training, we're usually cautioned on how we self-disclose, right? Because when people come, it's never about us, it's about them. You know, we're here to hear their stories and you know, it's kind of like I remember in my clinical training, like oh, self-disclose only if it's appropriate and can be helpful. And, you know, so you're kind of like, what do I share or what do I not share? Especially when you're first, you know, yeah. starting off, you just kind of have to be almost like this blank slate. So I think sometimes our store, our stories also get lost and we forget to be able to talk about that and to talk about that publicly, you know. Because some of your clients might pick up this book and read it and like really get to know you. And and these stories might be the ones that heal them the most because they feel like, oh, wow, you really can relate, you know, to me. So I think it's wonderful to be able to give people in the mental health field a voice to normalize them, to say, hey, we're normal people too. And we're experiencing everything that you're experiencing as well. And we still, you know, have really bad days and we cry ourselves to sleep and we grieve like you grieve. So I think it's wonderful that you're getting a chance to share your story. And I know that it will help people. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited about it too. And one of the things I've also, <clears throat> excuse me, realized during this last year and a half, there's not a lot out there for people who are grieving. Mm-hmm. And even as a therapist, it's really made me stop and think we need to provide more resources 
books like this one, workshops, retreat, whatever, specifically for people who are in that grieving process or need, you know, come to the realization maybe that a, a death or a loss of some sort happened in their lives, maybe a long time ago that they haven't fully dealt with or it comes back, grief can pop back up, you know, it never really goes away. It can pop up anytime, anywhere, any place. And, you know, as, as my family and I've been dealing with this, we we all deal with it differently and have really realized that there's a lot out there. So that's one thing I hope to do in the future is, you know, maybe provide some more resources. Great. Yeah, that's great. I, I agree. I think in a society that we live in, that's always preaching, live longer, look younger, uh, you know, like it's, it's really hard to have a business that says, let's talk about death, you know, let's, you know, because a lot of people are scared. They don't even want to bring it up or talk about it or, you know, don't even want to feel like it's a true reality until like it hits you. Right. And then you need a podcast like this. And then you need a book like the one that that we're writing. But yeah, I think the West has a long way to go in learning how to grieve. You know, I think there's some beautiful Eastern traditions and in indigenous cultures, you know, it's like the community grieves as a whole. It's not, not like they're running back in seven days to go back to work. You know, it's like they take the process and it's like, you know, ongoing and so supportive where I feel like here, grief can be very lonely and isolative, you know fact that you have a family and you're kind of grieving as, as a family is really nice. But for some people that maybe don't or are estranged from their family, you know, it makes it even more isolating too. So I do think we have a long way to go in in this whole grief journey as a whole in society. So I'm really glad that uh, you're on board and that you're writing and you're a part of this book. And I'm really excited to see uh, where this book goes once we get it out there and published in the uh, February of 2024, I think, is uh, our release date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are you working in your own private practice or are you with a certain agency or if people are listening to this and they say, oh, wow, you know, I, I really like to meet her and maybe get some therapy by her. Um, are you available in that way? Yeah, I am. I work in a group practice. It's called LifeWorks. It's in Madison, Mississippi. So, yeah, look us up. I'd be happy to help if I can. Great. And is there a website for that? Yes, it's LifeWorksMS. Okay, great. I'll put that in the show notes then. LifeWorksMS.com? Okay. All right, great. We'll put that in the show notes as well for all you Mississippi people out there near Madison, right? Madison, Mississippi. I've never made it to Mississippi, but... Oh, well, you should down sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love your Southern accent. It's just so sweet. I, I love, I love hearing that, that Southern tone. So I always find it very comforting. Well, Karen, thank you so much. It was a delight to have you on the podcast. And I hope all of you who are listening receive something from our talk today. And we will also be putting in the show notes where you can purchase the book. And hope that you will support us in getting the word out in ways that people can help themselves through the grieving process and learning more about other people's stories. So, you know, I always found it really helpful in going through grief that when you can hear about other people's stories, you also feel less alone. So this book is for the grieving. It's for the clinicians. It's for people of all, all different types that might need a book on grief and some tools. So 
Thank you all so much for listening and we will bring you another episode very soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.